This is the Indie Freedom Podcast with your host, Chris Sharma. All right, well, welcome to the Indie Freedom Podcast. Today's guest is an award-winning filmmaker and commercial director, as well as the founder of Crown Chimp Productions, Nick Duarte. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Fantastic. So, Nick, you just got back from the Beverly Hills Film Festival, where you premiered your film Dead Languages. How was that? It was. Uh, it was really awesome. It was, uh, you know, the first time that we had seen the film on a, you know, big proper screen with an audience, uh, and you know, all the the nerves and everything that goes along with it. But the screening went great, man. I think people really connected with it, and uh, you know, I walked away feeling good. That's fantastic. And Nick, just to get right into it, this. Uh, this whole podcast and this whole site is just about people that have forged their own path in the entertainment industry. And you have definitely done that. Um, most times when people think of filmmakers, they're like, okay, I've got to move to New York or LA and, you know, go to film school there. Um, but obviously you've been able to create this fantastic career in Tucson, Arizona. How did you get started? Were you always interested in filmmaking or does that mean you gravitated to later uh- on? Yeah, it's it's something I moved to to later on. Uh, you know, we we grew up in kind of a working class background neighborhood, uh, you know, type of place, and so there, I didn't really touch a camera, or do anything with a camera until I was uh, a little bit older. Um, just I'm sure if I got access to it sooner, I would have you know dove right in. Uh, but when I was 18, end of my senior year of high school through school. I uh, had the chance to shoot like a little film instead of an essay and I did it and I just kind of fell, you know, head over heels for it. Uh, and, and since that day, that was kind of like a, a bug, you know, uh, just got installed in my brain and I just have been shooting, making things, writing, editing, constantly doing something ever since. That's awesome. So yeah, that first time <laughs> wet the appetite and, and never look back. Um, and so you're in high school, you're making films um, what was that process like getting started? Did you find that you were like just shooting first and like learning as you went, or did you do any sort of training on that whole process of exposure and editing and all that? You know, I, I, I think I would have been a much better filmmaker, uh, earlier on if I did take the time I should have taken for the, uh, you know, just kind of the bare bones foundation type stuff. Um, but I also really just loved making films. So a lot of it, honestly, was trial and error uh, and just kind of learning by failing. Um, now, within that, I eventually I went to a, a community college program uh, just to get kind of trade technical training, uh, you know, figure all that stuff, uh, sort of stuff out. Awesome. And when we, when we met, it was actually, gosh, I think like 10 years ago now, you had already built – a production company like did you have that in mind thinking okay well i, I want to make films and then this is the natural career associated with that or like what, what how did you get into commercial directing well it was uh you know it was something i had to do out of necessity uh you know i needed to make a little bit of money uh i knew i wanted to be a filmmaker at that point i was already making uh personal projects and films you know basically through money i, I had earned as a bartender and so, uh, you know, I was looking to transition out of that. And so I started shooting events around town, doing videography work, some local commercials, that type of thing. And I had done a um, uh, what's called a spec piece and sent it out to a bunch of different folks. And the people that were uh, 
um, over at Adidas doing their advertising, they saw it and said, hey, this is really perfect. We want to commission you out to basically remake that. And so that project became the catalyst for the rest of my career, uh, which got me further and deeper into commercial directing, which, um, you know, allowed me to continue to finance my narrative projects, which eventually allowed to making more connections on uh, on that side of the industry. Awesome. And was that that spec project? Was that the one that became this Henry Cejudo Adidas project? Or was that another one? Yeah, it was the one that ultimately became the uh, the Henry Cejudo one. Yeah, and if you, I'll put a link to this in the show notes for you guys. It's incredible. Uh, Olympic gold medalist and now UFC champion Henry Cejudo. Uh, he was really young at that time too, wasn't he? Like nineteen or twenty? Yeah, he was super young. Um, couldn't have been older than like twenty-two. That's awesome. And maybe just to, and even just to get back, I'm so fascinated with this process because most filmmakers that I talk to are like, "Oh, I want to do it," but they end up doing work that's completely outside of filmmaking, and not and even worse, not developing the skills that you've been able to do with the commercial projects. Um, so you started sending out specs and doing videography. When you first pitched someone, did you just, like, I guess what the, what would the process be? Like, did you just send them something or were you looking for people that were looking to hire videographers? Yeah. So it kind of breaks down into to two stages in the first stage when it was truly videography, you know, one man show, uh, definition of the word, uh, type of work, all local stuff. Um, I would pull, uh, you know, we get sent mailers and stuff. I would pull those mailers, call up every company that was advertising, um, is, you know, essentially equivalent of going through the phone book, uh, and just call, you know, for a couple hours every single day and eventually start landing enough folks, uh, in that space. Um, after the Adidas spot, uh, where then I was working on a, a larger scale um, and a larger stage, uh, at that point, the, the pitches became much different. Um, it was usually there's already uh, an in with somebody there. There's already a conversation about a project uh, that was happening. And so it's just more about relationship building than anything else. Gotcha. And you've built up that body of work so they already know, hey, he puts out a quality product. Very cool. Um and to change gears a little bit, I, one thing that's always fascinated me about your work in particular is that you have such an incredible visual style and the ability to tell a story, sometimes without words. Like I've seen projects where there's no dialogue and such a rich story. Um, how did you like, How did you decide that that's the way you wanted to shoot? Did you have influences like filmmakers that you said, okay, I love this, or is this something you've just always done? Uh, I, first of all, I, I absolutely appreciate the, you know, the kind words, um, you know, that means a lot, man. Um, yeah, I, I think like anybody else, I had, I had plenty of influences. Um, they've kind of changed and shifted over the years and you, you know, pull from one person one way, you know, I think early on it was probably Peter Berg and, uh, Michelle Gondry. Uh, you know, I think as time went on, went more, uh, Bennett Miller, uh, um, maybe to some Terrence Malick, but it, it shifts as you grow and as you change as a person, you shift and you pull on the stuff that you know and that uh, the taste that you have. Uh, and then also a part, you know, for me, my my background was initially in photography. Um, you know, that was the first visual medium I really got into. Uh, and then from that, uh, I was my own DP for quite a while. Uh, so that led to me just being comfortable um, with camera placement and uh, composition. And, you know, the other thing is I just, I, I study a lot. 
you know, I have a whole bunch of books on artists, uh, both um, photographers and painters. Uh, you know, I'm constantly reading and, and trying to expand my taste and uh, ability to execute that taste uh, when it comes to visuals. Awesome. Are there any books you'd recommend to uh, aspiring filmmakers for a visual sense or even filmmaking in general? Um, well, for filmmaking in general, you know, I would say uh, Making Movies, which is uh, Sidney Lumet's uh, film uh, book, is, you know, might as well be the Bible. Um, I think that's fantastic. Uh, Fellini on Fellini is really good. Um, uh, Kazan on directing is really good. Uh, in terms of visual style, um, you know, there's none that pop, pop in mind specifically about filmmaking. Uh, you know, for me, it's just more of just, you know, books on, on different painters and, um, different kind of periods of, uh, of art. Uh, so, so nothing there pops out to me if, uh, you know, in terms of working with actors, I think, um, on directing actors, I believe is what it's called. It's a tiny kind of pamphlet book that was written for uh for theater but it's absolutely relevant for film and then judith weston has a couple of really great books as well awesome and we'll put that in the show notes for everybody um and actually to actually to change to that topic of actors um you that's the other thing i noticed about working with you on your on your film sea changes you have a very relaxed style um so much so that you like you very collaborative and i just noticed like that you had such a clear vision for what was going on, but then allowed the actors to have the freedom to express some emotion. Or if you, I remember you coming up to me or Leanna and going, Hey, it looked like you were feeling this explore that. And then that was such a fun thing. Is that part of that, that background of research and just working with actors over time? Yeah. Again, I, I definitely appreciate that man and absolutely appreciate your performance in that film. Yes. Uh, that was like one of like the funnest things to edit because every take of yours was so good that I could really toy around with like, okay, what's the tone of this character and what can we, you know, what can we do? Oh, thanks, uh, man. Yeah. So um, you should link that in the show notes as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Check What's... out your mug. <laughs> got blood. Yeah, for the people that end up watching, I've got blood all over my face. Raph. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but sorry to, to answer your actual question. Uh, yeah, that's, um, you know, Building a relationship and a comfort on set, I think, is the, you know, in, in terms of priority, uh, I put, you know, actors at the top. Um, I would say at this point, maybe even over story, uh, definitely over visuals, definitely, you know, over anything else. Because uh, I think when an audience is watching a film, what they're really connecting to is the people uh, in that film. You know, everything else is is really secondary. Um if they're not connected to those people, to those humans, you know, obviously that varies for certain experimental films and other types of things, but in general. Uh, so I feel like, you know, one of my biggest uh, responsibilities to that is making sure the actors feel as comfortable as they possibly can on set and doing that to the best of my ability to um, hopefully create a setting and give notes that are uh, viable and not just to, you know, hear myself talk, uh, but to give notes that are, um, actionable to the best of my ability. Very cool. And I mean, I, there, I have like a million questions I want to ask, but I know we do have a <laughs> limited time. Um, you also have written a ton of great screenplays at this point, um, including, you know, Sea Change and some of these new ones that are coming out. Is there a, a dream project that you have in mind where you're like, I'd love to make 
either like a biopic on someone existing or like a script you have in your back pocket that you can't wait to make? Yes. Um, so I, I have a, a, a feature version that I'm working on of a film I did called Where the Sun Goes to Die. Uh, that's um, we just we did the short film and I felt like uh, that was good and I was happy with that. Uh, but I feel like I still have a lot more to say. Uh, so I want to expand that out. Uh, and then I have another one that's a much more uh, kind of personal project that is that's probably the film where it's like, uh, you know, I can only make one more or I'm about to die or, you know, something like that. That would be the, the one that I would do. But I'm going to keep that one under under wraps. Keep it that. under wraps. Yeah, don't, don't yeah. get anything away. Yeah. I will say the – and I, is that – is the worst, where the sun goes to die, is that out yet or is that still on the festival circuit? Uh, we are in that weird limbo space on the festival circuit where we start getting our notifications towards the end of summer. Uh, oh, gotcha. So right now we're just kind of in a, a few-month hiatus. Very cool. That is honestly my favorite script of yours that I've read, the Where the Sun Goes to Die. I'm like, oh, this is like – it's this – and for those of you at home, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Very surreal, very beautiful and emotional uh, journey of this guy in this – I don't want to give too much away, but guy in this uh, hotel. Um, and it's just it's just stunning. It was stunning to read, so I can't wait to, to watch it uh, in a feature version I, I can't even imagine. It kind of evoked like – like you were talking about Terrence Malick, like I was just totally getting that vibe of like, oh, this is surreal, but not impersonal, you know. And I think that's a very hard thing to balance. Like sometimes you see, you go, see people go way too far on the surreal side, and you're like, well, this is bullshit. This doesn't feel like a real person. But I, I totally got the real humanity of these people. And people watching, it's like, what the fuck is that guy talking about? <laughs> well, I think that, that's such a difficult thing to. Because typically when you go real surreal, it, it's more cerebral. And when you go that way, you do have that disconnect. And I know I've definitely gone too far that direction at times. Um, and wanting to bring that warmth, you know, hopefully back in and that humanity back in. Because I think if you can if you can give people something that's, um, you know, outside of the, the everyday uh, and something that's exciting and strange, but you can fill it in with details that's that exist in their life. Um, and a lot of that is just how they would react to situations. I feel like that you know, does the best of trying to bring people into sort of a dream state. That's awesome. And actually, and you've done this even in your commercial work. Cause like, that's what was so crazy. Like the Henry Cejudo commercial, you did one for China mobile where I'm like crying in my living room. My wife's like, what the hell are you crying about? I'm like, it's a cell phone commercial. It's like, what is wrong with you? And then I showed it to her. She started crying. Um, <laughs> uh, so just maybe, gosh, all over the, so many things. Okay. Screenwriting. So, Oh, I know. This is this high high polished podcast that we're doing here. <laughs> what uh, if okay? Like if you had to start over today, or you were talking to some guy that was like, "Hey, listen, I want to make a, I want to start making films. Where do I start?" Obviously, we've got the books that we talked about. Um, what kind of like gear would you recommend, or editing software? Like what what would be like the best starter pack for a brand new filmmaker? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. Something I think about quite a bit. Um, you know, we have an internship program, so we take on new filmmakers every semester now, and we we speak at the university, and you know, um, just kind of thinking about what is what is our place as mentors to to help the next group of folks, and that's not necessarily even by age, just somebody who's looking to break in at any point, right? Um, so. You know, the things I keep coming back to in terms of building a career are good work and right people. 
and the steps that you can take to make your work better and more distinct and the steps you can take to have more meaningful relationships with people that can help you. So I, I think those two guiding principles help a lot with strategy. Uh, I think in terms of actual gear, um, I would say, you know, get the first DSLR that you can afford. Um, especially if you're just starting out, don't, don't worry about having the best one or anything like that. It, it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, you just need something that you can shoot on. And if you can't afford a DSLR, then, you know, start shooting on your phone. Uh, and in terms of editing software, Premiere is probably the best one to learn on. Um, if you're looking to make your career as an editor, you also have to learn Avid most likely. Um, but that's, those are good places, uh, uh, to start. And then I would say just start making films, um, cause it's going to take a, a little bit of time to understand the geometry, understand what works, what doesn't work, um, understand what your taste and style is. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big believer in the idea that, that perfection prohibits progress. And if you're spending, you know, all this time trying to get everything perfect, everything right, you're, you're losing the time that you could be spent just learning the skill set. When you were on set, was there ever a time where you were filming something and you went, oh shit, never going to do that again? Like, is there like the number one mistake that new filmmakers make or that when you made it, you're like, yep, this is the number one. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that probably happens on almost every single project, like <laughs> not even like false humility about it. Like every single project, there's a point where it's just like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's not the way to do it. I screwed that one up. All right, let's log that away. Uh, cause you know, a lot of times you have to learn the lesson over and over and over, or the lesson has to be painful enough for it to really sink in. Um, I'm trying to think though, in terms of like big, uh, you know, big, big screw ups. You know, I, I don't think I've had anything that's has been damaging um, that I, you know, it's kept me awake at night. Uh, more of a lot of things of like, eh, if, you know, if I could go back in time, I would have said this a little bit differently or, you know, handled this situation a little bit differently. I mean, I've always been decent enough about keeping my cool, but, um, you know, sometimes you fumble for words or, uh, you know, maybe you, you go down the wrong uh, track uh, and, and you don't end up with where, you know, with something that you wanted. Awesome. And obviously you've maintained and built your career in Tucson. Is that the long-term plan? Would you like to stay in Arizona or would you ever want to, do you ever feel pulled to go to like LA or New York or? No, um, I'm in LA about once a month. Uh, and I spend quite a bit of time in New York too. Um, you know, I, I like traveling a lot. I like going to different places. I love those cities. Uh, but I also really, really like Tucson. Uh, you know, it fits my lifestyle, uh, fits my personality really well. Uh, and, you know, cost of living is fantastic. So, uh, you know, it's nice to, to live here and then, uh, you know, go travel, explore a little bit, make some money other places and then, you know, come back home. Very cool. Um, and do you have any projects coming up that you'd like to plug or, or talk about? Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a, a couple films out on the festival circuit right now. So that's Dead Languages. And, and like I said, Where the Sun Goes to Die will be hitting the circuit here very soon. Uh, so, you know, watch out for that. Um, we just got nominated for a Webby Award for Best Individual Performance um, for Sarah Horseman in uh, our film Trouble Will Find Her. Awesome. Um, so that's exciting and, and getting a little bit more buzz. Um and then, uh, you know, we have a, a feature film that we're in the works on uh, right now. Uh, so also very exciting. Oh, and I guess the, the other big one is we have a series set up at, uh, at Warner Brothers. Yeah, that uh, other little thing. That's the <laughs> other thing, yeah. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I love it. You're like, yeah, we got to nominate for an award. And also, we have a thing at Warner Brothers. By well, it's weird how things you know pop in your mind, and there's certain things that you know, depending what your emotional relationship is with it uh, at any given time, you're like, oh yeah. That's the thing that I care the most about right now. But it shifts. It always shifts. Yeah, and you've been working on the Warner Brothers thing for a while. Oh, um, yeah. And where can – if people want to keep in uh, touch with Crown Ship and, like, find out the projects you're doing, where's the best way for them to hear about your upcoming projects? Yeah, so we uh, we post everything on uh, crownchimp.com. Uh, and if you uh, go to the newsletter, sign up for that, uh, then that's, that's the best way to stay up to date. Um, uh, our social media is also pretty active uh, through Facebook and Instagram, so follow us there at Crown Chimp. And you can also find me on Instagram. Uh, that's the uh, social media I'm most active on, and that is at Mr. Nick Duarte. Very cool. Well, Nick, this is awesome. It was so cool hearing about your journey, starting from your first high school project to now uh, studio, <laughs> studio-involved pictures and everything in between. Um, and again, you can check them out at crownchimp.com. Uh, Nick, thanks so much, man. This is awesome. Uh, Chris, thank you for having me on. This was uh, more than a pleasure.